Welcome to Epilepsy Cast, the podcast about all things epilepsy from Epilepsy Action. Hi, so um, welcome everybody to a very special edition of Epilepsy Cast. This is um, our bonus cast. We said at the last episode that it was the end of series one, so uh, here we are. We are doing a bonus cast um, for a very special reason, and that is that. Um, Epilepsy Action, the organisation for which we work, has turned 70. Um, It turned 70 at the beginning of September. Um, And so we're here to look back at um, how life for people with epilepsy in the UK has changed over the past 70 years, um, how Epilepsy Action or uh, British Epilepsy Association, we'll we'll get into that, has um, made played a part in that and what we think uh, needs to happen and what will happen in the future. Um, so I'm here with Rich as usual. Hey, how's it going? And also with um, our chief executive of Epilepsy Action, Philip Lee. Hi, Hattie. Hi, Rich. Hi. We're just talking about holidays. We, we love a good holiday over here, but um, <laughs> obviously um, we're here to talk about more pressing things. And I think what we're going to do first, Phil, if that's all right with you, we're going to um, play you a little video that we have from the Epilepsy Action vaults. And it's people uh, from 1957 talking about how life with epilepsy uh, was back then and we just want to kind of get your reactions on it and see how things have changed okay one person in every 200 has an epilepsy of some kind or another to reassemble their lives to put the pieces together again to make a go of living needs understanding and uh, i told them that i had fits they thought that i went around bashing up everyone you see if you're big and they think you're strong enough to take more drugs, well they just pump more drugs into you because they know that uh, they'll cure you of the fits. But they're not worried so much about the uh, physical disability. In fact I tried 20 hospitals before I got one to take me for my training. And I used to have to keep a file so I didn't apply to the same one twice. <laughs> one does begin to find that uh, one's social life diminishes because not so much that your friends are bothered about it, although of course some of them are, but you feel yourself that, uh, well, you're going to embarrass somebody if you go around, uh, and it might upset the party. Now, I wouldn't like to get married and let my boy or girl be born with fits. It wasn't fair to get married. I didn't think it was fair to the woman or any girl to marry me under those circumstances. Uh, And also the fact that there are so many people helping, willing to help you, but at the same time, they, they help too much. Well, mother is the main trouble, I think. She, she never stops worrying. So, I think from that video, there's there's so many little things that um, either have kind of got either better or they kind of still prevail, I think, today. I think one of the, the words that, in particular, that they're using fits. I think we, as an organisation, I think a lot of people with epilepsy don't like that term at all. It kind of has a lot of negative connotations and I well, we think we prefer seizure at this point, don't we? Um, and then I think the guy talking about just doctors thinking you're going to go around bashing people and stuff like that is just so kind of like bizarre and kind of one-dimensional almost. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think you're right. It's interesting how much of, of what you hear there from such a long time ago still resonates actually. Um, the precise things that people talk about are maybe slightly different but um, but but an awful lot of what people were talking about then I think for many people with epilepsy still today it still applies it's it's obviously updated into a more modern world but 
a lot of the issues that, that seem to be there in relation to things like the quality of healthcare that's available to people, um, other people's attitudes towards them, including their own families, their own sense of, of, of self-worth and identity, I think. Those are still issues which a lot of people with epilepsy struggle with, I think, and still find difficult to deal with. So yeah. in some ways, it's, things have moved on, I'm sure, but equally, a lot of the issues, um, whether they're social issues or healthcare issues, they still seem to be they still seem to be prevalent. Absolutely, but yes, you know, I, I know, and um, I wonder if we could paint a picture for our, for our listeners um, about what the world was like for people with epilepsy back in 1957, or um, you know, 1950 when the British Epilepsy Association was set up. Um, I know that, for instance, a lot of people with epilepsy would would live in colonies they wouldn't live um in the community that it was it the, the stigma of the condition w- was just huge um and i wondered if that was something yeah it was it was just a very different picture that they lived in yeah you're right hattie things have things have, have changed obviously so and and thankfully so things are a lot better now than they were 70 odd years ago um and one of the reasons that that this organization British Epilepsy Association, now Epilepsy Action, one of the reasons it was formed was because things were so difficult, were so, so, so bad for people with epilepsy. And I think really importantly, it was people with epilepsy themselves that actually took that view and were instrumental in setting up the charity. And I think that's something which has stayed with us right the way throughout our history. And it's a really important part of our, of our personality as an organization, about our view of things that it's about people with epilepsy taking control for themselves and looking to make a better life for themselves. And we try and reflect that through everything that we do, even today. Definitely. Um, that's one of the things that I can see um, from, you know, as an employee now, but also looking back, all, all the, the kind of the, the voice of people with epilepsy is, is like a thread running through all, the, all that we've done. Um, and there are some great things that um, we've done as an organisation organization to change the world from um from that time in in the 1950s that we've just um that we've just seen like where people were perhaps saying that they didn't feel that they could get married or that we know that they were perhaps not able to live where they wanted to um and one of the things that um we're going to kind of look at some of those key things now one of the things was um that in 1963 we were part of a, a key report called the adult population of epileptic colonies was its title um which was kind of one of the key things that spoke out that perhaps that wasn't the best way to do things yeah you're right that that report was really a milestone i think in in the history of epilepsy you might say certainly recent history uh in the uk it actually came from um a government report from the late 1950s called uh, the cohen report which was an investigation into the condition of people with epilepsy in the UK. And as a consequence of that report, which identified that there were a number of significant problems, not least the numbers of people with epilepsy in epileptic colonies and asylums, it it came to the conclusion that more needed to be investigated, more needed to be done. And as a consequence of that, we commissioned some work which resulted in the publication of this report uh, into the adult population in epileptic colonies. And that in turn ultimately led to 
really a, a, a very different approach and a different set of thinking in relation to how people with epilepsy should be treated. And this all happened at the same time, uh, moving in towards the sort of the 1960s and late 60s, the idea of more um, healthcare in the community as opposed to institutional care. And uh, as a consequence, you know, epilepsy action was really quite instrumental, I think, in establishing the principle that people with epilepsy should, wherever possible, live in their own communities, try and be given every opportunity to live normal, ordinary lives like everybody else. And, um, and in that sense, you know, you can track back to the publication of that report um, and say that was, the, that was a turning point. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, the late 60s there, I know one thing um, as we go from past to present, uh, one thing that people with epilepsy always find very frustrating is, you know, losing that independence and ability to drive. Um, and I know from one of our past podcasts, actually, one of the things that stuck with me is Ibi said that um, um, we had did it, we did an interview with a lady called Ibi and she said that um, the last time that she kind of drove a car she was just sat there and like she just slowly pulled the keys out and thought this is the last time i'm gonna be able to drive for a while and that kind of that kind of stayed with me because i didn't really think about it so much like that but um looking at one of our milestones in in 1968 it was it was a fact that people with epilepsy couldn't drive at all but um we seem to be a part of a change where um uh, if you didn't have a seizure for three years you could drive in in 1968 and i know that's changed even further now no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Rich. It's, it, driving is, is, you know, is taken for granted by, by people who, who can apply for licenses, um, pass the driving test and drive. You, you take it for, for granted when you can do that without restriction. But for people with epilepsy, that is a really significant issue. Um, having, the, having the opportunity to be able to drive with all, of that, all that that entails in terms of the opportunities it presents for you. Um, and I think it's particularly true for younger people as well. You know, you go through those, that, that period of time in your sort of uh, late teens and early 20s mm-hmm. when all of your peers are, are going through that process of learning to drive. And, uh, and if you are not able to do that because of epilepsy, that's, that's a real downer, frankly. hundred <laughs> percent. It's, it's, really, it's really not good. Um, and it just reminds you, if you need reminding, what a limitation epilepsy can be in your life. Um, so it's really important for people to, to, to kind of get over that and to, to accept that in many respects. But from, from our point of view as an organization, we have worked over the decades, really, to see improvements to, to driving right license regulation so that it's fair. You know, we're not suggesting that, that all people with epilepsy and all types of epilepsy, um, particularly if their seizures are not controlled, that, that everyone should be able to, to, to drive. But we do think that the regulations over time have improved significantly from a time when you couldn't drive at all, you couldn't hold a license, to now it's a much more sensible approach. And it's a much more individual approach, which is the really key thing, you know, that people are seen as individuals and as people rather than as a health condition, you know. Yeah. And in the past, I think all the regulations, certainly for driving, were really focused on if you have epilepsy, then you can't drive. It was you know, pretty simple as that. And I think now we're in a much better place in terms of uh, individual assessments, what type of epilepsy you have, how it affects you and so on and so forth. So I think the regulations we have now are are a lot fairer uh, and a lot more sensible. Definitely. Definitely. And and another place I know where people with epilepsy are at the heart of epilepsy action and um, driving is one of the places where we've really been able to speak as 
on behalf speak on behalf of people with epilepsy um, and another place I know where that was really crucial and 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 life-changing for so many was in the disability discrimination act um, I it, it still shocks me that before that piece of law 25 25 years ago you you could be openly discriminated against on the basis of having epilepsy or any other um disability with with no legal consequences that that was that what there wasn't you could that could happen that what that wasn't something that was illegal and um and uh, yeah, I know that um, one of the things I'm proudest about when I read about Epilepsy Action History was that, that we were the organisation who really pushed for epilepsy to be included as a disability so that it would be covered by that, by that law that's just so protective to people. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Hattie. That was a really important piece of work that the charity was involved in. And um, uh, I'm actually rather proud to say I was involved in that myself personally. And uh, it really was a big step forward. Uh, the whole disability. We've, we've come into the fill years. Uh, I'm <laughs> we afraid we have. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid we. I'm afraid they go back rather a long way as well. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, up until that point, you know, you're quite right. People with epilepsy um, experienced really outrageous discrimination, prejudice, um, and you mentioned the word stigma earlier on. I think Hattie, and and that's really a great example of of where it. it it occurred in areas like employment, uh, in areas like accommodation, um, just generally public attitudes towards people was so was so poor uh, in relation to epilepsy. And um, what the Disability Discrimination Act did was it criminalised, if you like, it made it illegal for people to be discriminated against because they had epilepsy. And as you again rightly say one of the important things that, that we did was to make sure that epilepsy was specifically mentioned within the legislation as a disability. And so for the first time, it was legally defined as a disability, as well as uh, people with epilepsy being protected by that law against discrimination. And that's, that's now obviously um, morphed into the Equality Act in, in 2010, but the principles are still there and the protections are still there. And, um, you know, for the past 25 years or so, I'm pleased to say that um, that that protection has been available to people with epilepsy, and there has been, um, you know, numerous instances where people have fallen back on the law and used it um, where they have been discriminated against because of their epilepsy. So there's now good case law established, as well as um, the statute. There is good case law now, which which exists to protect people. Definitely. Well, as we move. Um further into the fill years and we move into the rich years here in 2017 we also launched um a campaign on on pip which is personal independence payment and we know for a lot of people with epilepsy they can't work so do rely on uh you know government benefits and support um just as a way to put food on the table otherwise you know <laughs> there's there's literally no other option sometimes and um we uh, identified as an organization that the pit process wasn't uh shall we say smooth um or kind of took into account a lot of things that that people with epilepsy do go through because um, it's because epilepsy is such a varied condition and it can be so different from day to day never mind minute to minute and um you know we highlighted those problems got in touch with a lot of mps i was part of the social campaign that we ran and it was it was a success we managed to get it uh, the assessment process changed and we got them to take into account a lot of um the different experiences that people with epilepsy do have it's a really good example again because it's 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 funnily enough it's not dissimilar to the other ones we've already talked about and it's it's that issue where where people see the condition, they see epilepsy rather than the person. 
And our, our issues mm, yeah. in relation to DWP and um, personal independence payments and the way they were being assessed for people with epilepsy was that people were not being seen as individuals. They weren't being assessed as, as people. They were being assessed as a condition. Um, and that's bad enough, but the people doing the assessments didn't know what the condition was about either. So it was just kind of a double whammy, really, mm, you yeah. know. And we had so many reports from people of unfair treatment inappropriate assessments being made by people who clearly didn't understand what they were doing with greatest respect to them. Um, so in many ways, the, the, the campaign to, to, to challenge that was a bit of a no-brainer. It was really something we had to do. And there was huge evidence available to us. Uh, of course, we had to go out and get it and find people who were prepared to stand up and, and talk about their experience. Um, but you're, you're, you know, you're right. We had a really successful campaign with that. We brought it to the relevant, uh, to the attention of the relevant people, uh, the Department for, for Work and Pensions, and um, I'm pleased to say that they did listen, um, mm. and that they have made changes. It's still not perfect, I have no. to say. Yeah, we are continuing to monitor it. We are continuing to hear about people's difficulties. But the important thing is that we're on it. We know we know what we're looking at. We know what needs to be done. We continue to push and press uh, the government to to improve the system and to make it fair at the end of the day, because that's all we're talking about. We just want things to be fair for people with epilepsy. And that, for me, um, that, that was in my era as well at Epilepsy Action. But um, I've I've never been prouder of people with epilepsy than we were working when we were working on that campaign because of the amount of people who were willing to take a stand and who were willing to to share their story and who were willing to be so brave and talk about their experiences and and their vulnerabilities as well why they needed why they needed personal independence payment and um, it's not always an easy thing to talk about um so i was just it was just incredible to see that kind of swell of people coming together to be so brave and to make that change yeah i think i think you know it's a really interesting contrast when you go back to that 1957 film and you hear the voices of the people at that time and their, their tone and um, their approach to things. And you comp contrast that to, to where we are now and the way that people with epilepsy are now seemingly at least more prepared to stand up and talk about their experiences and put themselves forward. Um, whereas I think back in 1957, people were not quite so prepared to do that for, for good reasons, I have to say. Um, they were certainly fearful of, of being discriminated against um, and stigmatized. Mm. I think some people still have that concern. You know, we talk about things like disclosing your epilepsy to employers. A lot of people are reluctant to do that because they fear that will count against them. So that, yeah. that still exists. Mm -hmm. But I think, generally speaking, more people now with epilepsy are more prepared to stand up and feel comfortable about talking about their condition. And the more that happens, the, the quicker and the sooner we're going to be able to, to change things, particularly public attitudes. You know, people with epilepsy are the, are, really are the best advocates for themselves in that sense. Absolutely. And that's what this podcast is all about, pretty much. We know we know that people with epilepsy have such great stories to tell and powerful stories. And um, yeah, as you say, the biggest advocates are, are you guys. So always come to us with your stories. Definitely. Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and they can create real change. You know, we've 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 spoken about lots of like lots of things over the past seventy years where the stories of people with epilepsy and people with epilepsy themselves have created real change. So that so that you know discrimination isn't something that people worry about as much anymore. Um, that people are able to drive. That if if, if in some circumstances that um, 
that people are able to live in to live in their own homes and be treated be treated and have that opportunity to to live to live independently it's it's, um... Yeah, you're, you're right, Hattie. It's, it's, it's also a case, I think, with things like this, particularly the big issues, um, they don't happen overnight. It takes quite a long time. The, the, the Disability Discrimination Act, for example, we worked about five or six years on that before we got that sorted out. And at the time, it, there were times when we felt we weren't getting anywhere, to be honest. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but it does, it does take time. And when you look back and reflect... And you can see those really sort of significant moments when, when something happens and something changes. Uh, and the same with the, with the PIP campaign, um, when the regulations were changed for that and the assessments were changed for that. It, it took a lot of time and a lot of effort to get to that place. But, but we get there eventually. You know, that's the important thing. And, and really importantly, as you both have said, you know, it's people with epilepsy doing it for themselves, I think, is the really key thing. And that's the most powerful part of this now. And it actually accelerates things too. You know, it's the best evidence that we can present to, to decision makers and policy makers is when they hear the stories of people with epilepsy themselves telling it the way it really is. You can't refute that. You can't re rebut that. It's absolutely diamond stuff. It's great stuff mm. and uh, really powerful. Uh, talking about things not changing overnight, uh, earlier this year, things did change overnight when... Um... <laughs> <laughs> we flipped it. I like the way we flipped it there. <laughs> Thanks. We, we, we've been... What could you What could you be thinking what of? What could I be thinking hmm. of? Um, so, yeah, 2020 has probably been um, a unique year for, for pretty much everybody in the UK. Um, and it's certainly been a unique year in the history of, of Epilepsy Action. Um, uh, yeah, I just wondered if you could chat, Phil, about how what we've had to do how how we've worked and and what what has changed and what hasn't changed yeah well it's um it's been an extraordinary year hasn't it i mean in in, in so many different ways but uh from epilepsy action's point of view i think the first thing i'd want to say is just thank you uh really first of all thank you to the absolutely amazing people who work for epilepsy action who've done some incredible things over the last few months as a consequence of, uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. We've had to change so many things in so many different ways in order to keep the organization functioning, uh, to continue to provide the services that are so important for so many people. Um, so the staff have been outstanding, I have to say, absolutely brilliant. Similarly, all of our volunteers who've, who've rallied around um, and our brilliant members and, and all of our supporters who have dug deep to help us out at a really critical time. Because of course, like every other charity, we've seen we've seen an impact on our income. Um, we're going to see probably about a, a, a shortfall in our expected income for this year of about one six. So that's about a half a million pounds we would anticipate. Now, that's not great. The good news is that we have been able to offset some of that with some really generous donations that people have made for us and um, and continued efforts that people have made. To, to raise money for us in all sorts of uh, imaginative and different ways. Mm, yeah. So yeah. from that point of view, our income is lower than we expected it to be, but it's still, um, it's still okay. We have a, a good level of reserves which help us get through that, and we're now restructuring our financial plans to make sure that we have a stable future going forward. But in terms of services, and that's probably arguably the most important bit, you know, throughout this period, we've managed to keep running the helpline, uh, we keep providing up-to-date and accurate information, not least about epilepsy and COVID-19, which is obviously very important to so many people. 
we've we've changed really transformed a number of our traditional services like our our local groups and, and branches um the coffee and chat groups those have all gone into a virtual mode uh have been hugely successful and really popular and um again great credit to to everyone involved with our local services team who've made that happen one of the really <coughs> big changes i think and really uh, exciting areas has been e-learning um you know this year we We've seen this year something like 20,000 course registrations, 14,000 course completions just in the first seven months of this year. That's more than double what we achieved in the whole of 2019 mm-hmm. for both of those. So obviously during lockdown, people are looking for things to do. And fortunately, a lot of people have, have looked to our e-learning programs, particularly the education ones. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and we've had a huge response to that. So that's that's been great. And we've carried on with all of our usual activities. You know, we've remained engaged with people through social media and the website. We've been involved with the press and the media to raise awareness. Um, importantly, you know, particularly now, we're focused on um, getting epilepsy health services restarted. You know, the, the NHS obviously had to completely re- reorientate itself uh, in relation to COVID-19, but that's understandable, but at the same time, people with epilepsy are still there they still have needs they still need care and they still need treatment and it's uh, really important that we make sure that those epilepsy health services are are brought back online as quickly as possible um, and that people get what they need and the other i think significant um issue that's that's happened in the last uh, few months during lockdown has been the publication of the cumberledge report which um, again, Epilepsy Action was very instrumental um, in giving evidence to uh, the inquiry. Uh, this is in relation to the impact of sodium valproate on, on particularly on women uh, with epilepsy of childbearing age. And, uh, and that's come up with a whole series of recommendations about the future care and treatment of, uh, of women with epilepsy, which gives us a future campaigning um, focus in terms of making sure that its recommendations are actually implemented. So that could very easily have slipped by during the you know, current conditions. And fortunately, we didn't allow that to happen. We made sure that that has been well and truly broadcast. And, uh, and we have put people on notice that you know, we will be following this up and making sure those recommendations are followed. We already are. Exactly. Exactly. It's very much a to- very much a topical issue, isn't it, Hattie? I know you've yeah. been involved with that too, haven't you? Too, yeah, haven't you? absolutely. And, and just that's another example of um, where kind of decades and decades and decades of work has started to come to fruition, and um, for those for those women and those families to to be heard and to be seen, um, and for their awful experiences to 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 have a to have a light shined on them, um, and also and and another example where those those women themselves have been the driving force, you know, along with us to to make that change and hopefully now that um it is out there and that those recommendations can be put into place so that things can start to change Um, absolutely yeah yeah i mean there's a there's a real thread of work that does go back decades you're quite right with 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 a whole series of activities that we've done uh, over many years in relation to um advocating on behalf of, of of women with epilepsy but but also working with women with epilepsy themselves to produce materials, to produce information materials, to produce uh, public awareness information, uh, which really 
highlights the problems and the particular difficulties that women with epilepsy can have. And this, in many ways, the Cumbridge report is a culmination of all of that. So it's again, like we were talking before, you know, change is incremental. It happens quite slowly, bit by bit by bit, and you don't always notice it. And then suddenly you get something like the Cumbridge report that comes along and it kind of just brings everything together, all those years of activity and work. And suddenly you see uh, something comes, comes out of it all uh, really positive. So we've, we've walked down memory lane and we've walked through the lifespan of um, Epilepsy Action or uh, British Epilepsy Association um, as it was once known. And um, we've seen the difference and changes that have been made to people with epilepsy. But like we said at the beginning, um, some of those things from that 1950s video are still very resonant, I think, for people today. Um, and I think they will be as we look to the future as well. Um, so one of the things we've done as an organisation is that we've we've um, sat down with some people with epilepsy and we've asked them what they would like the future to be like, what changes they would like to see um, in the future. So we're just going to play that clip now. I do hope for the future for people with epilepsy. I hope for people with epilepsy that there is a lot more education. I hope that people at school, I hope that there's more first aid, there's more just as young as school age know what epilepsy is or any disorder or long-term condition people need children need to know this um, and the DWP desperately desperately need to work in, and coincide with the charities to understand that it's not a tick box exercise of epilepsy just because we might not have a seizure every minute of every day does not mean that we are not disabled and we need the help uh, from our country and the government um, and I'd say that is my my hope for the future of people with epilepsy that there's more support. What I what I hope is that the the research continues um, and and keeps moving forward um, to make life for people with epilepsy easier um, you know it, less prominent in people's lives I, I would say um, and then more understanding. Um, I don't know how you do that, but um, more understanding uh, about what ap epilepsy actually is and ensure that there's less stigma around it. My wish is I hope for everyone with epilepsy gets the correct treatment and will go seizure free. I wish that for everybody with epilepsy. Um, so they don't have to live with the uncertainty and anxiety that can come along with epilepsy as you never know what's going to happen day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute or even second to second. What I hope for the future of people with epilepsy is that they have a chance to do everything that a neurotypical person would be able to do because right now there are things that people aren't able to do because they have epilepsy. There are things that people are held back from. There is discrimination within the workplace and I'd like for that to, to change and if I could be a part of it then that would be amazing. So yeah um, that covered a lot of the things that um, we've spoken about already really that that the changes that we've already started to make with the Department of Work and Pensions and Personal Independence Payment 
um, something that we haven't touched on, I guess, which is that the treatments for epilepsy have have improved so much over the last 70 years and they continue to do so and that, that we are passionate about improving people's access to the best healthcare possible. Um, and also employment that, that we know as a charity that people with epilepsy really struggle with employment, that that's something that... Um, that, that you know people with epilepsy are some of the least likely um one of the least likely groups of people with any disability to be able to keep and um, maintain a, having a job so that's something that really does need to change and we are looking to and working to change um as we speak yeah i think i think employment is a is a is a really important area it's something we've we've picked up on more I think in the last four or five years as a, as a really significant topic for a lot of people with epilepsy. And um, you're quite right, Hattie. I think, uh, you know, we, we, we hear from people about the discrimination that they face at work, uh, whether that's in getting a job in the first place or, or getting promotions and development in their careers uh, as a consequence of their epilepsy. And it's, it's back to the same old story, I'm afraid. It's people's lack of understanding, lack of awareness, not appreciating the individual, but seeing just the condition. And that's the challenge that we continue to face and continue to address. Um, and as long as that, that that carries on, as long as people hold those, those negative and uh, inappropriate attitudes, you know, there's going to be work for us all to do. What, what, um, what do you hope for people with epilepsy in the future, Phil, um, in particular? Well, I tell you, I tell you Rich, um, and this, is, this might sound of a bit of a cop-out, answer right <laughs> but but actually i think what i would hope for people with epilepsy is what they would hope for themselves and yeah, in many sure. ways you hear that we hear that on a day-to-day -day basis about yeah. their aspirations and their ambitions and their desires and their their hopes for the future and um what i would hope personally is that they get whatever it is they're looking for and uh like every other individual um we all want a number of different things yeah. in our lives and um and i just hope that people with epilepsy get what they're looking for um and as an organization obviously but very importantly that's why we listen to what people say um and yeah, we that's, why, that's why we exist basically to, it is why we try, exist. try and provide that in some sort of way i think so and i think importantly you know um it's a it's a significant change actually i think over the over the 70 odd years that the organization has been around you know, when it was formed, um, society was much more sort of patriarchal. It was much more, uh, the concept of charity was much more about what people would do for you or for the client group, if you like. Right. Um, and I think nowadays it's much more about listening to what people with epilepsy have to say, listening to what they want and, yeah. and working with them and helping them to achieve what it is that they want rather than telling them what they need or what they want. It's about listening to them and, and working with them and um, and really helping them, I think, to, to, to put themselves forward, to take the lead uh, in many cases, uh, whether it's telling their stories or whether it's uh, giving their experiences. Um, because as we've said already, you know, those are the really powerful and, and emotive um, things that people really, I think, always respond to uh, and listen to and learn from, uh, which is the important thing. So again what i would like for people with epilepsy is what they want for themselves and um and what they tell us is the two things really that they really want more than anything is to get the best possible health care and support they need 
for their epilepsy and to get the public respect and fairness and, and understanding that they deserve. And, and those are right front and centre in relation to, to epilepsy action and what it does. And that's why we focus on two very simple things, um, improving quality and availability of, of healthcare services for people with epilepsy and working constantly to improve awareness and understanding of epilepsy through, through education, particularly in training. Um, and working, as I say, with people with epilepsy themselves as far as we possibly can, bringing people together, I think, you know, uh, which is, which again is very, very important and showing this sort of collective response uh, so that people can see what epilepsy is really like and what the experience of epilepsy is really like uh, and then formulate their opinions with that knowledge. And, you know, we've been doing that for 70 years. I suspect we're going to have to continue doing it for a lot longer. Um, but things are better. You know, things have improved. Attitudes are better now. Uh, there is arguably less discrimination than there used to be. There's less prejudice than there used to be. There are more opportunities for people with epilepsy than, than there used to be. But we know that there is still a long way to go. There are still many dragons to slay, as they, as they say. Um, and we'll keep doing that. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, um, Phil, we've asked everyone that we've interviewed um, the same question to end off the podcast, but we're going to kind of oh, adapt, right. it. We're gonna adapt it. We're going <laughs> to adapt it a little bit for you, Phil. <laughs> Here we go. This is the left field question, is it? Okay. That's um, good. Nah, it's, it's not that left field. Um, we, we've been asking people if you could tell someone who is newly diagnosed with epilepsy, uh, what would it be? I guess, I guess for you, Phil, if you could tell someone who is newly diagnosed with epilepsy in 2020, uh, what would it be? Oh, crikey. <laughs> uh, one thing. Yes. Oh, a couple of things. Okay. Um, <laughs> <I'll allow it. laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two answers. Can I do that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Can I do that? Okay. Yeah. I'll give, you, I'll give you the kind of the simple, straightforward answer, if you like, and that would be um, someone newly diagnosed with epilepsy right now, it would be to say, don't panic. Right. You're not alone. You're not the only person with epilepsy. There are hundreds of thousands of people with epilepsy in this country, and it doesn't have to be a barrier to the rest of your life. No, no. You can still have a great life, do many great things, don't let epilepsy rule your life. You can get through this. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Well, I think, you know, a more nuanced answer, shall we say, is um, <laughs> taking account of the fact that, that firstly, epilepsy is so different for, for so many people. To give one oh, piece yeah. of advice, as it were, to all people with epilepsy is really just isn't going to work. Um, <laughs> But what I said previously, in many ways, does apply to everybody. However old you are when you're diagnosed, whatever gender you are, whatever your background might be, wherever you are in your life, that kind of don't panic, it's, you can get through this, I think is an important message to get across and that you're not alone. You know, you are not on your own with this. And there are not least organizations like Epilepsy Action available to help and support you if you need us. But there are many other people with epilepsy out there who are doing great things, amazing things, having fantastic lives, and you can be one of those. But it, you do have to take account of the fact that, you know, people with epilepsy are diagnosed um, at different ages and in different circumstances. 
Um, and so a, sim a simple piece of advice like that can be a little bit a little bit trite, you might say. So I think, again, importantly, and this is something I think our, our advice and information staff do brilliantly, is that they, they take account of individual circumstances and they respond to the individual, not yeah. just to the epilepsy. And uh, so the advice that they give is very tailored to that person mm. so that it's relevant um, and, and sensible. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Phil. I think great advice on both accounts. Um, so 70 years, guys, I guess. Should we, should we meet again in 20, 2090 or what? <laughs> yeah, 70 uh, years, that was... 140. Well, I might, I might have to take a rain check on that. I don't right, know. Okay. Gonna... Okay. But, but, but by all means, go ahead and, um, you know, <laughs> and enjoy it. But yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't we'll it? We'll be in VR headset nice. Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. We'll all be like Neuralinked or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah, there'd be something, something, it'd be something else. Um, yeah, almost certainly. Almost certainly. Well, it's, it's awesome to be a part of work that's gone on for the past 70 years and that has made such a difference. Um, I know personally that's something that is a real privilege um, and I, I really look forward to um, working more with people with epilepsy in the future to, to create more change for the better. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Hattie. I, mean, I think, you know, I've, I've, I've worked for, for Epilepsy Action with people with epilepsy for, oh, crikey, 32 years, I think it is now. And uh, it's, it's always been a privilege, I think was the word that you used, and I would repeat that. I think it's been, it's been amazing. I've, I've met some fantastic people and uh, really inspiring stories. And, um, you know, every day is different. Uh, when you're working with epilepsy action but it's always exciting and it's always uh, gives you huge satisfaction not least when things go well and we get we get things right um, and you see that people develop and that they grow and they uh, and they do go on and, and have fantastic lives many times because of the work that, that, that the charity has done with them so uh, yeah it's been it's been a, a long time uh, that I've been involved but um, but you know Every moment has been fantastic. So uh, I look forward to the future, really, I think is the important thing as well. You know, the past is, 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 is relevant. It tells us where we've come from, but I think we have to look to the future and we have to say, you know, let's make that better, even better than it already has been. Thank you very much for your time, Phil. I appreciate it. Oh, no, today's no, bonus cast. Thanks for the invitation, yeah. Rich and Hattie. Oh, it's been great chatting to you. Yeah. And that about wraps up this episode of the Epilepsy Cast bonus cast. Looking back over uh, seven years of epilepsy action, we've done a lot. Um, you know, we've had so many positive milestones, but as we were talking about in the interview, we know there's so much more work to do. But we do hope you enjoyed kind of listening to some of those uh, milestones, a bit of the history of epilepsy and epilepsy action, and where we kind of see the future heading. Um, for people with epilepsy and we know how important that is to you guys so if you ever want to uh, you know leave leave any feedback or if you want to let us know what you think the future should be like for people living with epilepsy uh, please always do get in touch with us on social media at epilepsy action on pretty much everything um, or you can email us on podcast at epilepsy.org.uk hopefully we have a season two coming so we'll always get to your feedback on that um, 
And of course, as always, make sure you uh, uh, subscribe or, or follow us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. But as we said on the last episode, uh, we're going to take a step back, look at the podcast, look at you know all sorts of things about how we want to release it and stuff like that. And I know we do have a lot of loyal listeners out there and we can't thank you enough for listening. Um, but yeah, like I said, just keep an eye out and we'll let you know when we're back shortly. So cheers for listening, guys.